Welcome to City Church. City Church is a biblically-based, relationally-driven, spirit-led church, encouraging everyone to follow Jesus and serve others. We're excited to share this sermon with you today, and you can always find out more about us online at citychurchseville.com. Merry Christmas. Again, Merry Christmas. Whether you're worshiping with us here in the sanctuary or worshiping with us online, just want to welcome you to our service and um, just let you know that we are still moving through the Incarnation Sermon Series, where what I'm preaching on, what I'm teaching on, deals with the whole idea of God taking on flesh. If I had to give a uh, sermon title to this morning's sermon, I would simply entitle it, Mary and the Son of God. Mary and the Son of God. Now, when looking at the stories of the incarnation, when you look at the Christmas stories or the nativity stories in the Gospels or in the Bible, what you discover very quickly after 31 years of preaching and teaching on Christmas, they're the same two stories. And oftentimes, as pastors, women and men that preach and teach, as we move towards Christmas, you look at these same two stories and you think to yourself, here we go again. It's true and I love it, but I got to say something new. And what dawned on me this year after over 30 years of preaching and teaching on Christmas is that although there's nothing dramatically new that I'm going to say, as I, as I have studied the Gospel of Matthew with the account of Joseph and then this morning's account from the Gospel of Luke, that again, these stories are as fresh and as real as they were the first time I ever heard them preached. And the reason why is they're true. They're true. Now, as I think about incarnation from last week's sermon, I just wanted to remind us the working definition of incarnation that we are utilizing. Incarnation, if you look it up in Webster's Dictionary, means invested with bodily and especially human nature and form. My favorite definition of incarnation is God with meat on. God with meat on, where God takes on flesh and dwells among us. The story that we're going to look at this morning is found in the Gospel of Luke. We're going to read it together in a moment. But as I look at the story that we're getting ready to read, I want to kind of frame it as a fantastic personal story, a fantastic personal story, and here's why. If you were to read in Luke chapter 1, right prior to where we're getting ready to read, you would discover that the gospel of Luke tells us, and Luke literally confirms at the beginning of the gospel, that Luke went around and interviewed people who had first-hand accounts with Jesus, first-hand accounts, literally says it. And so what he did was he went around and visited with people. Almost all of us who study the scriptures in depth believe that Luke interviewed Mary, that Mary, the mother of Jesus, met Luke at Starbucks. They sat down and Luke interviewed her and she shared her personal fantastic story about what we're getting ready to read. 
As we look at the story, Luke, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, recounts to us Mary's story. And I want us to read it out loud together. Out loud. So we're going to be reading Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. One of the reasons why we're going to read it out loud, it's going to be very familiar to many of us. And sometimes when you read something out loud, it kind of has a special magnetism to the soul. So are you ready? You ready? We're going to read it out loud, same as you at home. We're going to begin reading in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38, the birth of Jesus foretold. Here we go. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. And the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Again, this is a fantastic personal story. Now, I need to define fantastic. Here's Webster's uh, definition of fantastic. So extreme as to challenge belief. Fantastic means so extreme as to challenge belief. Isn't that interesting? And that's why I've said that Mary's story is personal and yet fantastic. Why? It is so extreme as to challenge belief. Now, as I was thinking about Mary's personal fantastic story, I was thinking about, well, what are some of the stories I've heard that are like that? A story that you hear that actually challenges your belief, and I heard one yesterday. So yesterday here at City Church uh, Central, Pastor Keith and the prayer teams here of City had a prayer conference where they gathered together to learn things about prayer and to grow in their understanding of prayer biblically. And um, I was the second TED Talk. And the first TED Talk was given by Pastor Gabe, our congregational care pastor. And when Gabe was talking about prayer, he was talking about the healing of the past. When he was referencing that, he shared his own personal fantastic story. 
And in this story, Pastor Gabe was sharing with those of us that were here was that he was born with a deformity, a deformity. And in that deformity, it affected the way he could hear and the way he could speak. And it had a huge effect on him socially as a young child and up through middle school. There were several procedures that were done on him that were corrective. And there was also therapy that he was going through to help him. But at the age of 13, he was going in for another procedure to try to help correct this thing that he was born with, this defect he was born with. And at the age of 13, on a Wednesday night, his mother took him to the church where they worship, and the people prayed for Pastor Gabe. The next day, he went in for the procedure, and the doctor looked at where the defect had been, and it was 100% gone. And the doctor said to Gabe, I don't know what's happened. And to Gabe's mom, I have no idea what happened to you, but someone must have been praying. God healed him supernaturally, and it changed Gabe's life. Now, that is a fantastic personal story. It happened to Gabe. By the way, if you want to know more about it, I'm sure Gabe would love to tell you the minute details of the story. But that is a fantastic personal story. It's personal because it's true and it happened to him. And it's fantastic because it is so extreme as to challenge belief. To challenge belief. As we look at the story that we just read of Mary, again, Luke tells us plainly that he met with different people and interviewed them who had firsthand experience with Jesus. Mary, in my belief, met Luke at Starbucks, and they sat down, and Luke interviewed her. And at the end of that interview, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Luke wrote down what we read. Another thing that we need to know as we step into this sermon and into this story, it's important. Middle Eastern or Eastern literature is written in the following way. When you see something repeated... That means it's one of the primary things you need to know. And if you were to reread the story we read, there are two things that you would notice if you looked for repeated things. You'd notice it right away. One of the things that you would notice was what the angel says to Mary. And I want to deal with this this morning because... Oftentimes, people have had different interpretations of what the angel said and what it means about Mary. Here are the two verses that I want to reference. You're going to recognize them. We just read them. It's first is Luke 128, and the second is Luke 130. But when it comes to Mary, here's what the angel says to her. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly what? favored. And then Luke 1.30, you have found favor with God. Again, all through the ages, different people have interpreted this and translated it to mean different things. So I want to be clear about what the Bible says about Mary. That word favor that is translated there, whether highly favored or found favor, the word favor, comes from the Greek word charis, C-H, 
A-R-I-S, charis. And if you look at it quickly, you will know that's the root word for the English word charity. Charity. The word charis and the family of words, the nouns and the verbs and the adjective that are built on that root word charis are translated into English with the English word charity, gift, or favor. It's how they're translated. And so how the verses could read in Luke 1, 28 and 1, 30, it could say, uh, hey, Mary, you have found charity with God. You have found a gift from God. So when we think about this group of words, again, it's favor, charity, or a gift. And when the favor is given, it's always unmerited. In other words, it's something that you just receive because someone else chose to do it. You didn't earn it. There was nothing about you that induced that. Let me give you the following example so we can understand this. Maybe you're like I am, and every once in a while, and I really try to regulate this in my life, I can go down the vortex of YouTube. Anyone else ever found that? Where you can sit down, someone will send you a YouTube link and it'll begin by, you know, talking about some deep theological truth and 11 hours later, I'm watching puppies wrestle with kittens or something, right? And you think, where did the day go? And I learned all these interesting facts that are irrelevant to life. Now, in one of those times, I was, I was waiting on something and I was killing time and I was looking at a video that had sent and then it took me down the dark vortex of the YouTube and I came across this series of YouTube videos where these guys were giving away brand new iPhones. What was interesting is here what they, here's what they would do. They were going to restaurants, this is during COVID, they would go to restaurants where they knew the waitress or the waiter wasn't making any money because people weren't at the restaurant. And so this guy would go in, he would sit down, he would eat the meal, and um, as the waitress would drop off the bill and you know, kind of small chat or whatever, the waiter, the guy would take the bill and of course she would leave or he would leave and then come back and re receive payment. But just as the waiter or waitress was getting ready to leave with, and the guy still got the bill, he would say to them, hey, listen, I just want you to know I'm not gonna tip you. It has nothing to do with your service. I just, I, I just don't wanna tip you. I just wanna pay for the food. And what was interesting was the camera that was hidden would show the facial expressions of the people. And all of them said, oh, okay, that, that's fine if you don't want to. Or, You know, they're thinking something totally different, but they're still holding out hope that the person would change their mind. And then when they would come back to collect the bill, the guy would look at them and say, hey, I'm not gonna tip you, but I'm gonna give you a brand new iPhone. He would hand them a new iPhone. And here's the amazing thing. All of the women burst into tears. They were waitresses. The waiters would try to hold it back. They'd kind of toughen up and, and they'd say, really? Like me? For me? Yeah, it's yours. All yours. Free. Take it. Someone would say, this is like $1,300. And he'd say, yeah, I know. I just wanted to give that to you. And you could see the people totally confused. And then eventually they're like, well, I better get out of here before he changes his mind. And you could, please understand this. That's what favor is. That's what charis is. 
That's where someone has something and they choose to give charity, to give favor, to give a gift. There was nothing about the waiters or waitresses. It was just he chose to give them a brand new iPhone. Please understand with Mary that Mary was there in Israel. And because she was there in Israel and she was a virgin, which is what we're going to look at next, that's what qualified her. And when the angel says you're highly favored, it means that God's charity is coming at you. God's gift is being extended to you. God's grace is being, Mary, there's nothing you did to earn this. And what is even more fascinating is if you look at this group of words, but specifically the word that says favored, that we read in Luke 1.28, it's only found in one other place in the Newer Testament. And it's found in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 4 through 6. It's the exact same word. And here the Apostle Paul is writing about your salvation, about my salvation. In Ephesians 1, 4 through 6, here's what the text says in the NIV. In love, he, meaning God, in love, God predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. His pleasure, his will, through Christ, he adopts us to the praise of his glorious grace which he has, what are the next two words? Freely given. That's how that Greek word favored is translated here. Same word, only used twice in the entire Newer Testament, where he has freely given us in the one he loves. In other words, God made a choice to send Christ. Out of grace he did it. It was his pleasure, his will, he did it. And in that, he has freely given us Christ. He has freely shown his grace in Christ to you and to me. What we need to do is accept the gift. We need to accept it. And when you accept it, you're favored. You're favored. Now it's yours. Please notice again that each time the word favored is used, it's a gift, it's grace, it's God's choice. Now the second thing that you would make note of if you were to look at the text again, you would see it right away as you looked at the repeated theme, it's the idea of Mary being a virgin and the text needs you to know this. The gospel of Luke is making sure that you know that Mary is a virgin. Two times it says it. Before her name is ever mentioned, it says two times, this is her station. This is where she's at. As a matter of fact, not only does the angel know it, not only does God know it, Mary knows it. Because when the angel comes and says, you're going to conceive and have a child, in Luke 1.34, she says, how will this be? Mary asked the, the angel, since I am a virgin. The text needs you to know this. It's absolutely faith critical. You understand Mary's station. Here's why. First, 
because of Isaiah chapter 714. Isaiah chapter 714 says this. There is a prophecy written 700 years before Jesus is born. And here's what the prophecy is. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. That's the first reason. What the text wants us to know is that Mary will conceive like no other woman. In fact, she's confused. She understands that the text is saying and the angel's saying she's conceiving. And she goes, how can this be? I'm a virgin. And when the, answers that, the answer that's given by the angel is Luke 1.35. The Holy Spirit will come over you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. One theologian put it this way. The work of the Holy Spirit within her and the surrounding presence of God himself is what created the conception of Jesus. Please understand that Mary's conception is like no other woman's, but her birth of Jesus is identical to every woman. Conception, totally different. Birth, 100% the same. Now, for those of us who have been maybe studying in the Older Testament, the Bible wants you to know that at the beginning of Jesus stepping into the world, it's going to happen because the Holy Spirit is hovering, overshadowing. And if you know the Older Testament, you know in the book of Genesis, chapter 1, the text literally says the same thing. That the world was formless and void, and then the Holy Spirit begins to overshadow, begins to hover, Genesis 1-2. And after that overshadowing, the creation story takes off like a rocket. What God is saying is that in this action, God is creating something new. He's using the same creative agent that he used to create the world at the beginning of everything that is. But now it's becoming completely personal. Again, when Mary asked the question, how's this going to happen? The text tells her that the Holy Spirit will dwell over her and literally God himself will wrap himself around her. And then Luke 131 says this, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. Again, Mary will conceive like no other woman ever has nor ever will. But Mary will give birth like every other woman had and will. You see, the conception is supernatural. The birth is natural. Why is this so important? Because in this, now, what we know is that God is taking on human flesh. That because the conception is supernatural, now this child will be fully deity, 
And because the birth will be like every other human child, he will also be fully human. It's the mystery of the incarnation. Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man. And Luke needs you to know that. This birth, this child, is like none other. Now in the text it tells us that, hey Mary, you're to call him Jesus in Luke 1, 31 through 32. But what does it say next? But he will be called, he will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. Earlier on in the gospel of Luke, it says your son will be called son of God. Again, the angel is letting Mary know and the gospel wants us to know that Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man. O Mary, you will give him an earthly name, Jesus, which is Joshua, which is Yeshua in Hebrew. But everyone will know him as God's son, that he will be the son of God. How do we put feet to our faith with this text? How do we do it? Mary shows us. Embedded in the story is the response that God looks for from every woman and every man. You see, in the text, Mary answers at the end of the encounter with the angel, I am the Lord's servant. Mary answered, may your word to me be fulfilled. This is Mary's personal, fantastic story. It's personal. It's true. It really happened. But it's also fantastic. It's so extreme as to challenge our belief. Please know clearly that this is how the story of Jesus begins. It begins with grace and favor and God giving a gift. Later on, the Apostle Paul writes this in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. For it is by grace, there's our root word again, charis. For it is by grace, by a gift, by God's favor, that you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's the charity of God. And not by works, so that no one can boast. Would you stand with me as we close? As we stand together, I'm going to ask that you would close your eyes just for a moment in God's presence. I want to pray. The story that we read from Luke chapter 1 ends with Mary voicing her faith in Christ and what God wants to do. As we conclude our story, I have a question to ask you personally, every woman and man that's here. Have you accepted the story of Jesus? Have you received the gift? Have you become favored like Ephesians 2, 8, and 9 says? It's a choice that only you can make. Mary's personal fantastic story is the beginning of the story of Jesus and it's so extreme it challenges our belief. But Jesus isn't Jesus unless he's the incarnate son of God. He isn't. Have you ever accepted him as God in the flesh, as the son of God?
If you haven't, but you would want to do that this morning, I'm going to ask that you would pray a prayer that would go something like this. Dear Jesus, I don't know everything that there is to know about who you are. But in this moment, Mary's personal fantastic story has challenged my belief. And I make the choice of faith to believe that Jesus truly is the incarnate Son of God. That he is God in the flesh. And because he is, I put my faith, my hope, and my trust in him. And I pray this in Jesus' name, in Christ's name. Amen and amen.